0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Big Universe. I'm Jim Leffer. I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant type guy. And today is a very special episode. You know, back in the 80s, when 90s, when they used to say on a very special episode. Well, we we get to uh, interview my awesome co-host, Sarah Bowen, about her new book. Hi, Sarah. you ready for a grueling interview today?
0: Oh, I am. I feel like it's a crossover. Like, remember that in the <laughs> 90s? We went from the very special episode to the crossover where someone would show up on the wrong show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, suffice it to say, for now, we'll, we'll give Sarah's a uh, full intro later. But Sarah is the author of Sacred Send-Offs and Animal Chaplain's Advice for Surviving Animal Loss, Making Life Meaningful, and Healing the Planet. More to come on that. And joining us today to help out with the honors is another very special guest, Royce Christian. Hi, Royce. Hello. I'm so excited. It does feel like a crossover
2: episode, Sarah. <laughs> I loved those when we were kids. I loved right. them. They were like my favorite thing ever. I did, right. too. It
0: was like the shows were almost in the real world because people almost. show up in different places almost but we are almost. in the real world today
1: yes sort they... of royce is an actor speaker writer and documentary film doc- director he's appeared in numerous films and television shows his bylines have appeared in national inter- and international publications he's appeared on hundreds of radio and news shows across the globe and even has his own tv series in the uk royce is the author of the book, Scripting the Life You Want. It's so great to have you with us, Royce. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're going to be participating in this, as I said before, grueling interview of Sarah. Um, to... Oh, I'm
2: so excited. I'm so excited to be here. I am in love with her book. Actually, it's really funny. My mom was visiting the, the day that the mail literally came with her book, and my mom went, oh my god, this is great, and took it for like two days because she was so obsessed with the idea of what we're gonna talk about the book is I mean it's just incredible so I finally got it after like two or three days of my mother hoarding the book because that's how amazing this book is truly so
1: I'm very excited to be here and get to
2: ask all the questions my mom had and all the ones that I have
1: awesome awesome well what's what are you up to Royce what's going on with you these days
2: Oh God, a lot. Uh, working on book two is finally in the editing process and the Spanish language version of Scripting the Life You Want comes out October 4th from Inner Traditions via Simon & Schuster in 39 countries. So very excited Wendo. about that. Nice. Yes. that's wonderful. <laughs> and it comes out in audiobook. I was super excited. They hired a someone who is very fluent in Spanish to do the audiobook version of Scripting the Life You Want in Spanish. So if you know someone love someone or you are a spanish speaker and you want to see it and read it in spanish or hear it you can do it now
1: (laughs) awesome awesome so so we get two for the price of one today we got both sarah and royce today and uh i wondered i know sarah because she's the interviewee today did not have a quote for us today but royce do you have a quote for us today
2: I do, and it's from an author named, I'm gonna probably botch this, but Jean-Louis de Bazi. I'm, sure I'm sure I screwed it up. But anyway, here's the quote. I, just, I actually read this uh, a few months ago doing research for the second book and I just, I loved it. Okay, here we go. The difference between revolution and evolution is that one happens to you and the other requires you to take the next step to accomplish the change in your reality. Evolution builds upon the past, but the change in your reality is transformative. Even the past looks different from your new perspective and place of understanding.
1: Oh, wow. That's very true.
2: Yeah, I thought that was good. I just like the idea that a evolution and revolution one happens to you and the other requires you to take action. I thought that was neat.
1: That is very neat. That is very neat. Well, I have to uh, confess that I fell back on an oldie, but a goodie. I thought it would be perfect for this one today. And I think Sarah might even have it in the book. Um, The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Oh, you suck up! You're right. You're (laughs) absolutely right. Please
0: throw in the Gandhi quotes at us now. I've got the Gandhi level. (laughs) Gandhi,
1: Gandhi, Gandhi, all the way. It's a great quote though, and it's true. It definitely is. It definitely is. All right. Let's jump into the interview. Sarah A. Bowen is an animal chaplain, award-winning author, academic dean at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary, and columnist for Spirituality and Health magazine. She teaches interspecies mindfulness practices, supports humans experiencing animal loss and grief, and advocates fiercely for the more-than-human world. I love the more-than-human world. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I love that. She leads a Sunday service at Compassion Consortium. The world's first interfaith interspiritual and interspecies community sarah as most people know that listen to our program you recently launched an animal chaplain program and first i, I just wanted to ask about that and, and ask what what is an animal chaplain
0: it's a good question you know it's it's funny a, a while ago people used to say oh do you have a church for cats and i would laugh and say no and now i do <laughs> So (laughs) it's almost like I'm thinking of you, Royce, there with the you know scripting, right? You know, yes. We we have these ideas. You made it happen. You make things happen when you entertain ideas. But you know, and if we think about chaplains, do do you all remember? Do you ever watch Mash? Sure. Do you remember Father Mulcahy? Of course. He was the chaplain on that show. And when I was a kid, you know, Mash was in reruns, but we'd always watch it, and I always liked that guy because he was the one who would always show up, and regardless of like. What was going on or where someone was from or whether they were, you know, the the enemy or the ally or whatever. He would help people right. when they were hurt or when they were dying. And and that always just stuck with me. And, you know, that so that's something I like to remind those of us, you know, many of us have this kind of idea of what a chaplain is if we think back to that. But we find chaplains now in, in colleges and universities. There is a NASCAR, actually a network of NASCAR chaplains. Is like there where, really? There are chaplains in Hollywood to help aging actors. Um so that that's kind of an interesting thing since we have Royce on today.
1: Um,
2: I know. And Royce
1: is so old. So well, okay, no, later. no, she didn't mean that. But yeah, I know. I mean <laughs> oh, trust you know
2: me, I, I mean. feel it. Like,
0: yes, yeah. 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 There in places many,
2: you wouldn't expect chaplains, they, they are. Exactly. It
0: like. and, and it's because you know the more the more that we've had people who aren't involved in you know may not be involved in a house of religion, right? They may not have a membership in a particular faith, you find people still have spiritual needs and chaplains, we often step in and help with those things. So Jim, getting back to your actual question, an animal chaplain, does that not only for animals, but also the people who are involved with animals. So that can be, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is grief and loss from losing an animal you live with. But there's other things like how do we deal with, you know, problems that happen in a home between animals and humans? What do we do about welfare issues? And what do we do about extinction? And what do we do about these messy, messy places where humans and animals, where our needs overlap? and are sometimes in conflict. And so chaplains help with all of those types of things.
1: So let's define the word animal. Interspecies, obviously we're talking about uh, animals and humans and, and all the above. Um, what does the, uh, define the word animals for me? What is an animal?
0: That is such a messy question. And there have been <laughs> so many academic treatises written on this and I could totally nerd out on it, but so you know animal like all words is a word that that humans created and and it's a word that goes back you know if we look back in sacred texts and in in scientific literature it's interesting for a long time we were creatures and the word creatures was used and that included you know goats and humans we were all creatures but then some along the line when we all started thinking we were so smart and we were gonna make these taxonomic charts of who was who and you know who was better than who and who was related to who th- this term animal comes around and humans technically are animals if we look at those charts but we usually use the word animals to mean something different than human. That more than human word that you guys picked up on I love I have to I have to say you know that's that's David Abram. Uh, But we have all these different ways of talking about, usually when we mean animal, we mean a being that's not human. And we can use that in a positive way. And we can also use it in a really negative way. And that has happened in a lot of the conversations about race, a lot of conversations about nationalities and ethnicities and uh, gender, where to be animal is somehow to be violent or to be vicious. And so it's a loaded, loaded question, and there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways to answer it.
1: For
2: I I just want to jump in with a quick question, kind of a a, a tack on to that. I think a lot of people listening probably hear animal and think pet, but what you do covers more than just pets. Can you just kind of like differentiate between pet and animal since we're down this sort of uh linguistic I, I can't even think of the right word but you know what I mean since we're down yeah, this yeah like ling- right linguistic
0: now. quandary slippery slope yes <laughs> yeah so semantics word-
2: that's what I was thinking there of, you This go, sort of semantics, semantics trail yes
0: <laughs> so the word pet comes from over in Europe when you know people used to have a, a what we unfortunately call livestock think about that word for a second yeah ooh, but God. had had animals they were living with and then they just kind of fell in love with one or wanted to care for one or one became special and so they called it my pet Aww. now you'll hear people say that about humans too right when you're in the UK oh yeah say oh my pet oh my pet I so pet just pet. meant yeah. it meant favored it meant favored it meant special and we've used it now that we've domesticated millions and millions, if not billions, of cats and dogs and other, other animals. We started to you know, call them pets as a category. There's been a movement in the past, uh, since about the 70s and the 80s, as the animal liberation and the animal rights folks and people who were concerned about what they saw in agribusiness and you know, just really nasty suffering started to happen started to say that word pet is not a great word
1: hmm. and
0: started to suggest we say animal companion. So you'll hear that or you'll hear companion animal. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Um, so I like pet, it. Yeah. It, and it's kind of interesting. I had a conversation with someone the other day. They said that we should say animal companion instead of companion animal because it puts animal first. Hmm. And I thought, <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I think that all these lexical questions that we have are really about the value that we're assigning to different beings. It's the same thing with the words that we use for different types of people. Uh, so pet, I'm going to use them interchangeably just because we know them. I don't mean right. anything derogatory, folks. If I if I say pet, I understand how loaded that term is. I um, love I you know, love funny. the
1: idea of animal companion. I think that's a wonderful way, way to put it. That that makes a lot of sense to me because. I mean, they are companions to us. I mean, there's, it's. Uh, I don't like the separation necessarily, but I hear what you're saying. Um, do you guys have animal companions these days? I I have a sweet dog, and a rambunct, rambunctious cat. My cat plays fetch. My dog does not.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I I Sally, my husband and I, we have uh, we have cats, and one, of, I mean, we just call them our family. Sarah, like our our one cat. Uh, Bally, She passed away a few years ago and uh, this kind of dovetails into another question quickly but um, you know I got her when I was 16 years old and I first moved to LA and I had my first apartment and you know I met Sally God seven years after that and she fell in love with him and adopted him is what we always say and he was never a cat person if there is such a thing before that and then Completely she shifted his world and she was uh, the smartest cat. She also played fetch. Uh, Jim, I know exactly what you mean. Um, (laughs) And, you know, she just was like our kid, you know, and I know there's a stereotype of of gay people having pets as kids and, you know, but really, I mean, she was like a family member more than a child. Uh, If anything, she's smarter than both of us. And when she passed, it was harder than some family members, Sarah. And I think that's why your book, I mean, just the, the, the title, I think, is, is genius and also really important and helpful. I mean, Sacred sendoff. Uh, you know, that's something that we struggle with. I'm getting emotional just thinking about Bali passing yeah. away. And, you know, we have other, we actually adopted a, she was 12, no, she was 11 in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Um, and she was just, uh, you know, she had a really rough life and her name is Shakti and you know I just I I don't know I I sit there I always because my pet my cats were my roommates so when I was when I was 16 17 18 so I talked to them like you know they're my roommates my friends so I just started talking to Shakti and working with her and she's just blossomed she was antisocial she didn't want to be near anybody she was terrified of everything and now she has her queen's bed in the living room and you know she just completely transformed and I think you know, you touch on a lot of these things in the book, and I just think for anybody listening who's dealt with it, uh, the loss of an animal, I think what you're doing is so important in this book is going to help so many people. I know there's so much else that's covered, but I know that's something that, you know, my mom was interested in immediately. It was like this this sort of primal pull towards understanding how to deal with the loss of an of a, of a animal companion or pet. I now understand that word is loaded, but, you know, how... I think pro- people are going to wonder what what would pull you into this because it's like, you know, being a doctor or a nurse or anybody that wants to be around grief, like I'm grateful that you're doing it as a friend of mine, but I also think people probably want to know, A, what pulled you towards this and B, what can they do because often I think it feels more like a family member is dying it, than it does.
0: And and surveys tell us that, you know, it's it's in the high 90s of percentage of people in the U.S. who live with animals, consider them family. It's a really, really wow. high percentage. And also 70% of us in the U.S. are living in interspecies homes, 70%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the yeah. norm. It's the norm right wow. now. It's uh, 57% worldwide. So, you know, we are living with animals. And so most of our experiences of loss and grief our first experiences, are animal, they Mm -hmm. aren't human in the most case, you know, I like to say, or I don't like to say, but I often say it's the fish your father flushed or, you know, the hamster or the cat or the dog. And if you think back then, and I have an exercise in the book for this, but if you think back to what were you told about that? How was it marked? What was, you know, what happened? And what we see in research is that how we handle it with kids, is how prepared we are for dealing with loss throughout our life. And that doesn't just mean animals, folks. This is why this is so important. How we handle losing a relationship, how we handle losing a job, how we handle death, grief, you know, all of that is based on some of those very early experiences of being six or seven or eight. Uh, for other people, it's teens. For other people, it's early 20s. I've worked with people where, you know, there's a loss that they have when they go to college and then and they get the call from mom and dad saying, oh, by the way, Fido died, sorry. You know, so how, how we <laughs> handle that makes a big difference. So anyone out there with kids or grandkids, the idea that we need to shelter children from grief and loss in our, in this culture is is a harmful one. Yeah, i think I'm, they can't. I, we oh, can handle it, but but it's it's train it's training wheels. It really is. It's training wheels for learning how to cope with disappointment in life. So I think you know that's why, for me, it's super important. And it started because I was this. Well, you you asked this, Royce. I was this, you know, little rambunctious kid who was a preacher's kid. And loved animals and my poor, oh God, the poor cats we lived in, you know, always dressing them up in doll clothes, you know, <laughs> doing, you know, just I'm so sorry, him. I'm right. so sorry. Right. But I had, you know, I also didn't have, yeah, I was a kid who had a I was a moody kid who had a lot of the issues going on in my head and questions about the world. And those cats were confidants. Me too. Were, I right? Get that. When, yeah. when you were in yes. time out. When you were set to oh, time out, yeah. you're like, can I just get the cat in my bedroom before they shut the exactly. door? Exactly.
2: <laughs> I had a cat that used to yell and tell on me when I was two and three, if I'd sneak, I remember my was upstairs and if I'd sneak out of the room and it was past their time, good girl. Because my, my, my parents would yell at her for climbing the curtains and then I would cry at two years old and they'd go, no, no, she's a good girl. So she, good girl ended up being her name but yeah she was the one I wanted in my room but yeah, go on I love you, the story you, I totally relate I was a moody kid who just the animals were my friends Animals, I mean, there's nothing you know, wrong and with that
0: They and they gave us some type of thing where they didn't talk back to us in some way or invalidate our experience now yeah. how much of they know of what we were talking to them I don't know I you know I still don't know and, and I I, 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 have, have I have a
2: friend
1: uh go ahead Jim I, I no, I think my dog took notes I'm pretty sure um took because notes? <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, so
0: this it, one's gonna need a therapist later exactly, oh
1: exactly. when, when <laughs> i uh when i uh I, I didn't have animals when i was a kid because my family was just not an animal household but as i got older um and uh you know probably in my 20s i i met this wonderful animal companion named muffin who was a dog and uh, she isn't that a great name <laughs> yes uh, she was the sweetest thing, and so very smart. And the experience with her, she was a confidant for me. You know, um, she was some someone very precious to me. And uh, you know, like you were talking about Royce when when she passed, it was a very difficult time because she was such a part of my life, and uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. Grateful for that experience.
0: Hey, we we noticed so that. Much. In older people, too, there's a lot of research now. I say older, I'm getting older, but okay. No, you're, so as not. we age, that those relationships that people have um, after they're widowed or become a widower or they move to assisted living or all of that, we see that the relationships, you know, my mother has this wonderful cat, Penelope, who's who's a support for her. So now, you know what we see now, based as opposed to when I was a kid, is a lot of clinical research that tells us that the things that we're talking about here uh, can be validated uh, over and over and over again. That there are there are health benefits of living with animals. There are mental health benefits of living with animals, and on the flip side, that we feel really crappy when they're gone. That that grief and loss doesn't know a species barrier. So oh, wow. our society may say hey, it's just a dog or it's just a cat. It sh- it's different. It's a different type of grief. But the felt experience is not. And we see that over and over again. And it actually can be worse because it's what we call disenfranchised. So I, I, had, I have this over and over with the people because I work with people one-on-one on this right. type of stuff. And I work with groups and, you know, and, I, and teaching in different ways where people say, I was trying to tell someone, I just lost my dog. And they don't get it. Or they say, When are you coming back to work? Or, you know, we respond differently than we do when you say, I lost my father. We respond differently. And so part of the work I'm trying to do with this book and with people I talk to is to say, We need to talk about this. And the book's a bit snarky, and there's some. I love snarky. There's a lot of humor and lightheartedness in it too, so we need—we really need to have that when we're talking about this. But we need to talk about it more so that people understand it more. Well, your book is the first book. Culture.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to cut in. I just, no, I think that's why it. my mom was so drawn to it. My mother-in-law wants to re- read it now. Like it's, it's so fascinating. I mean, I have the same visceral reaction, I think. And I'm not just saying this because we're friends. I mean, truly anybody listening, like this book is so needed. It really is needed. I mean, above so many other topics that are fascinating, maybe interesting to us. Like you said, I mean, grief knows no boundaries and it doesn't know the species. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. I think for anybody out there listening, that's, it doesn't. this is just as crucial as a grief and loss book about humans.
0: And you know, what's interesting, Royce, is we started to see that the book also talks about other, you know, other ways we experience loss. And we're seeing oh, yes. so much now with eco-grief. We're seeing so much about people who, um, especially younger generations, who are really tuned into seeing what some of us didn't necessarily see, but are really tuned into how much deforestation and the pollution mm-hmm. and the yeah, climate yeah. issues and all of that. And they don't know what to do with it. Right. We don't have yeah. we don't have um we don't have the the systems and the frameworks either for talking about that. So talking about grief. And I also talk a lot about roadkill. because Yes, the book is about
2: many other things. I should clarify (laughs) that. Yes, yes, yes. I just just, think it's important. Just so that
0: people know, if if you didn't grow up with an animal, here's an interesting thing. If you didn't grow up with an animal in your home, you have grown up surrounded by, influenced by, and your life depends on Hmm. the animals that are creating the ecosystem in which we live. And so, you know, knowing that you know, my favorite favorite statistic is humans are 0.01% of life on earth. I will say that again. That's fascinating. 0.01%. We are not all that folks. I mean, we are, we are all that in some ways, (laughs) but in other ways we're not. And so being able to look at some of those other relationships we have and, and do we want to treat Um, other beings how do we want to treat them and what are the issues and what do we need to be involved in and you know what do you do when your kid's sad because there's a toad squashed on the road And you know what do you do about that
1: i want to go back to i mean we're talking about grief and grieving the animal um what can we do to take care of ourselves when we deal with the death of an animal
0: it's a great question jim there, there's a couple of things. The first thing that I think is really important is to stop this idea that we have to be strong and we have to do it ourselves. Okay. That's, I'm going to use a fancy clergy word. That's BS. Uh, we try to be, <laughs> we try to be, I'm going to strong, I'm going to power through this. And, and what we need to do is we need to attend to a couple things. And in the book I go through, you know, there's really kind of three, three steps um, that I'm, you know, not like it's a linear journey that we can do steps, but there there are really three things that are that are important. The first thing is to to accept the reality of the loss in some way. Understand that we've had a loss and be able to acknowledge that we've had one. And that that can be, you know, memorials. That can be oh, I love a furry wake get your friends together and share all your fabulous stories about like the really ridiculous things that animal did and how much you love them and how silly it was i love that like
1: like the way my dog used to put her head entirely into a uh, bag of popcorn like that (laughs) because
0: probably because your dog saw you do that jim yeah exactly
1: (laughs) i do that all the time there you
0: go because it was acceptable at our house right to, to to acknowledge it and to honor it in some way I was, I was just telling Jim I just came from doing a uh, a memorial service at a animal sanctuary for a goat uh, just a little while ago for people who you know had interactions with that goat every day and they're then so an smart accident, I mean... accident happens tragedy happens what do you do so that's number one accept the reality of the loss uh also stop any self-talk I should get over it I can't you know should can't won't all of those kind of words we're, we're gonna we're gonna write those out of out of what we're doing the second thing is that we have to process grief now what we want to do is push grief away i don't want to feel it i don't want to deal with it i don't want to think about it so i have a couple uh, exercises in there and also if you go to sacred com and click on meditations i've got some meditations for working with grief laws free go grab them fantastic try them and just just process grief uh there's not a time limit here on you know i need to be over it in two weeks that kind of thing and we have to adjust to life after that animal has left the animal's body now i'm now you see i'm being a little vague there about where that animal went and if we want to go there we can have some conversations about that oh yeah definitely want to get into that yeah yeah but but adjust to life after loss. Now, I'm going to give some very practical examples for this. I had a woman I was working with who said, I can't come down the stairs in the morning without erupting into tears because the dog I lived with used to meet me at the bottom of the steps. Aww. I can't come down the stairs. I can't leave my bedroom. And I said, I get it. So let's try something. Let's take a photo of the dog uh, you know that you have in a frame and let's put it on the bottom stair. And when you come downstairs in the morning, sit on the stair. I don't care what anyone in your in your house thinks about this. Just sit down on the stair. Hold that that, um, you know, that frame. Say whatever you feel that needs to come up. I miss you. This stinks. It's not fair. I You know, whatever you want to say. Leave it there on that stair. And then get up and see if you can go on with your day. Uh, the same kind of thing can happen with people when they see a leash or when it's the time where they used to walk a dog or, you know, any of these kinds yeah. of things. So how can we change? How can we put in moments not to try to run through it, but to acknowledge it? I'm not feeling well. This stinks. I don't like it. I'm going to move on with my day, but I'm going to honor it first. And then the last thing that i recommend. I know I've given you a lot of information here, but it's it's really This cool. is fantastic. It's yeah. so you helpful. Know, the last thing is is called enduring connections. So that's find the enduring connections. Now what we know in grief and loss work now is that when people can find enduring connections that were healthier after loss rather than when we there used to be this whole thing about getting closure. And that is it. That's like a four-letter word to me. I know it has more than four letters, but the word closure <laughs> is just. I know. It's so. loaded right? How do I? Uh, how do I get? I get closure, and and we don't. You know, it, it's just. It's not. It's like a cabinet door. You close it, and then you got to open it again. And yeah, you close it and it's you open still it And you close it. Nothing. You know, we don't have that. So we have. You know, in grief and loss work, now understand that it's about enduring connections. Now, for some people who may not be metaphysical or spiritual or religious, that connection is going to be through memory. Right. It's going to be remembering. Uh, if you have kids, this is one thing I love is saying, you know, out, if you have kids and you have a yard, uh, put a little bench out in the yard, put a little flower garden, put something out there and and let your child know if you're missing Fido or Fluffy, go out, sit on the bench and talk to them.
2: My mom did that with, with when I was little did we would always we had a little area yeah for our cats and it was somewhere like somewhere
0: to go. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful.
1: That's wonderful. Somewhere to
0: go, somewhere to feel like you can say whatever you want, you can cry and not have someone get uncomfortable or, you know, give people a place for grief, to, a place that you can you can go to talk. Uh, for those of us who are spiritual or metaphysical or religious, we might have some other ideas about what that connection looks like yeah I, that's
2: so what I'll i wanted to ask there, about that yeah i have um, so, i have a so. fascinating question of related to dr dina Grayson, my friend is genius scientist and doctor and she said something about animals that blew my mind but i want to hear jim's question or do you want me to ask for i don't know jim do you oh go ahead. go ahead go ahead it's ask related question. to if they have so when uh, dr dina Grayson, said a lot of people listening probably know who she is and she's brilliant Uh, medical doctor and she's created all sorts of medicines. And she's just a genius. She's beautiful and funny and brilliant. And she also is spiritual. And she came on to my show in England. She was on the first two episodes. And I asked her, Sarah, I said, uh, actually we were having a conversation and she brought up uh, visiting with the gorillas in Africa. Mm. And I forget which country, but she was at the gorilla sanctuary. And she said she had this profound moment where she was looking right into their eyes. And she goes, I realized in that moment that no scientist or doctor could ever tell her again that there was a a consciousness in there. And that changed her whole worldview, was actually an experience with animals as far as opening her up to a lot of different things. And I asked her, I said, wait, do people not think, and this, I was completely serious this was two years ago. And I said, do people not think that animals have a conscious? She goes, no. She's like a lot, most mainstream science, it's just not accepted that there's, they have a conscious. And that blew my mind, Sarah. I don't know how I had not heard that, but it (laughs) it, it didn't even occur to me that people, and I'm not being disrespectful. If that's your belief, I totally respect that. I, I, I felt like a dummy that I didn't even, never even crossed my mind that people, even one of my best friends at one point had believed that animals don't have a soul, don't have a consciousness. And it was beautiful to hear her tell that. It was great that she did it on public forum where people could see that and hear that from someone who's such a respected scientist. But yeah, yeah. I-, I guess it's a 2 question. Like, is that for people who don't believe, you know, I think you've answered that part, you know, there's, there's ways to honor them in memory, but do you believe that there is, there's a or consciousness that they live on? I do. I can even think that. It yeah, I, that I, I, do do it. <laughs> I
1: do too. I do too. You know, when you look into an animal's eyes, you, you feel something, you know, you feel a consciousness, you feel, yeah. you know, especially an animal companion that you, that you've lived with, you know, you 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 definitely feel that connection. That there's a there's a reality there. I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah. your your question.
2: No, no, no. I mean, I think we're both asking the same thing, which is, you know, like, uh, is there a, like an afterlife? Like, you know, what, you know, do they, what, what? Do animals I have, I have a divine figure-
1: connection? Yeah. Do animals have a divine so- connection?
0: Yeah, so okay, there's there's like forty-two questions. This is loaded, right? I, yes. No, <laughs> but they're are good. I mean, these are all things that I elaborate uh on in, in sacred send offs because they're the questions people have. So you started off, Royce, by talking about animals and spirituality of animals. And so I wanna I wanna hit that just for a second before I answer the other question because Jane Goodall had a similar experience many years back. Interesting. And yeah and and there's a lot of work from jane about this spiritual connection she had she was really the first well in the first woman but one of the first people who was out there in the wild having some of these questions and saying things that some of the other scientists were saying oh oh, stop it jane like you know and she persevered and look at her now there's a bar named after jane but the, the what what we see is in the question of First, do animals have spiritual lives while they're living? Uh, there's been a number of different people who've posited that the answer is yes, because uh, we look at we look at neuroscience first off, and we say where is the area in your brain that lights up when you're having a spiritual experience? So you're deep in prayer, you're deep in meditation. You know, they've done a lot of Andrew Newberg is one of the people that I love the research he's done on, you know, rabbis chanting from Torah or the nuns who, you know, have been praying for it. like 95 years, you know, constantly. Yeah. And he goes in and says, all right, let me stick them in in a machine and let me see what's going on in their brain. The area that lights up is an area that also uh, that primates have, that cats have, dogs have, horses have. So theoretically, Those areas can light up for them as well when they're having spiritual experiences. Now we could go down this road of what's a spiritual experience experience or whatever, but, but they have the, their brain has the capacity to experience what we're experiencing. Now, if you look at sacred texts, which I love to do, I am a sacred text nerd. Me too. We go back. I was, you know, I was a six-year-old kid, put me back in church again. You know, that, that, that little kid who's at church because, you know, it's daddy's job. And every Sunday morning, we stand up and sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures yeah. here below. And I would, I would be thinking like, oh, zebras and elephants and yeah. cats. And yes, all creatures have this relationship with God. And if we look, look back in the Abrahamic traditions, if we look back in the so-called Eastern traditions, if we look back in all of the traditions, indigenous traditions, we find people talking about their connection with animals, where it breaks down, and and actually we find people having a lot of questions about their relationships with the animal, kosher laws, mm. halal, right. all of these, right. are, yes, you know, people yes trying to wrestle with killability. When mm-hmm. is it okay to kill?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What is suffering in the animal kingdom? Is it okay if God made these creatures? For us to create suffering so all through the text you'll see people wrestling with oh jesus has got here's a good one for anybody who's christian here go back and read the uh when jesus goes to the temple and flips the tables on the money changers and i go into this in the book he doesn't first flip the tables he first frees the animals because what they were doing with the money is they were changing money so that they could buy animals so that they could sacrifice them in the temple. And that system had become corrupt. So you had all of this death happening. And so he comes in saying like, stop it guys, like this is wrong. So we, we can go back and we can read in that. It wasn't just about money. It was about this system of exploiting animals, but I, I digress. So, so we, have, we have the brain capacity, animals have the brain capacity we have observed animals you know doing things that are spiritual staring at a waterfall staring at you know in things that we might call meditation yeah but they have these experiences now they don't, don't all go to church on sunday i don't know maybe some of them do we just don't see <laughs> i
1: was thinking about that maybe <laughs> some do who no. knows
0: you know who know but they uh, do my, mine goes
1: and online and does a church online it's
0: and it's it's so it's so there's that there's that capacity but as we got industrialized well first as we you know stopped being nomadic and then as we started doing agriculture and then as we got industrialized then we started creating all sorts of really crappy systems and so we started doing things like this animals don't feel pain Uh, animals are dumb creatures animals don't have consciousness animals don't know they exist so you know we started doing that in our science
2: mm-hmm,
0: and mm-hmm. the last 150 years to wrap up this sermon <laughs> <laughs> i and love it the, question of souls, going and going. the last 150 years give or take now well, starting in about the mid 1700s is when people started questioning hey i think i think we got to stop operating on dogs when they're awake Oh my gosh. And, and, and yes. I and I think that because that's what they were doing, you know, in oh, in colleges in front of large groups of people saying, Oh, they can't feel it. Let's dissect it and see what his belly looks like. So oh, no. people, oh yeah, there's all this gross stuff. So other people started saying that's called anti-vivisection, are the people who that was our first, um, really our first animal rights where people saying, You gotta stop cutting up live <laughs> animals, not cool, folks so we see people start to do this we see preachers start to say it we see all of this concern and we start to see science catch up now the place we are now which is so interesting it is is consciousness what's conscious and what does being conscious mean and then the other thing is empathy emotions and that kind of thing so we we do see that animals have empathy they they cooperate they think they have you know and and so a lot of popular writers, Franz DeWall, Mark Beckhoff, Jessica Pierce, uh, Lucy Cole, all all of these people have started to write books. Who who hasn't who hasn't read Soul of an Octopus? You know, we're we're reading these books, Genius of Birds, um, yep. Jessica Ackerman, if I'm right. But all of those books that start to say, no, folks, you know, they have this. Now in the UK, there are much better laws that actually declare yeah sentience for interesting that's interesting yeah Yeah. and 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 sentience is sort of related to consciousness oh yeah sentience says animals know what's going on folks and so we need to treat them in ways that take into account that they know what's going on so that's kind of a brief like real you know whip through that but along that along that path, there were things that happened where certain religious leaders said things like, Animals don't have souls. And we've Ugh. been we've been trying to get ourselves roll that back, you know, yeah. since then. Since then. So I'll answer it this way. Now, Eastern philosophies, if we want to go into Buddhism and Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, there's 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 more favorable beliefs around animals for the most part. But I will. My here's where I end up is whatever humans have, a great majority of other species have too. So I don't know if I have this thing called a soul or where it is. Right. But if I do, Deacon and Babaji, who are in my living room, <laughs> they got it too. That's where yeah.
1: I, I love that. Yeah, I love that answer. too. I love that, too. Uh, you know, there are some philosophies, some religions say that, you know, animals don't go to any kind of afterlife or have any kind of experience like that. Do you think that we can be re- reunited with our, our beloved pets at another time?
0: With That's any, a big question. Yeah, it's a big question. And with any question about animal communication or animal afterlives or the metaphysics of of what happens when we leave our bodies, you know, I have a pretty a pretty short answer that that doesn't tell you much but here's my answer i hold the possibility that all of that is possible because there's too many experiences that people have of being able to have communications or being able to um, have feelings or whatever it is i just don't think we don't i think we don't know what we don't know
2: my, um, I just wanted to say my cousin, uh, my first cousin, I only have like three cousins. I remember we're a super small family, So we were all very close and her name was Pamela and she had spina bifida and she died actually on New years this year. Um, but oh, she had I'm to sorry. have many surgeries. Oh, it's okay. I mean, uh, she lived to be 45. I mean, which is, you know. It's still heartbreaking, but she loved her animals, guys. Like, I mean, she really, like her whole life, like her joy was her dogs and her cats and her birds and everything. But um, because of the spina bifida, she had to have many surgeries. And in the last five years, she actually died twice on the table um, and had a near-death experience. And in both of them, she saw all of her pets Sarah, like every animal she had ever had. Yeah, and that gave her... All of this hope and kind of, you know, sort of a a feeling of okayness, if you will, that inevitably, when she did pass away, that she would see her her pets. So yeah. I know it's anecdotal, but it, well, I feel but like someone out there might hear you that. You know what
0: it you know what it speaks to Royce too is I think the reason we ask, I think the reason we ask that question, you know, where do where do pets go? or can we see them again comes from a couple of things the first is that we don't want to be without them so we 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 want to we we don't want to be without them and we we so that that's one piece i think the other piece is we want we have so much discomfort about what happens with death we want to know they're okay
1: yes and so
0: being able to you know this there's this story of the rainbow bridge that that it was a poem it was a poem that became very popular and it was very comforting to people and and some people take it very literally and other people think that you know it's more of a metaphor but this idea that i hope they're okay and so uh, what i find fascinating about religion and why i teach at a seminary is we've come up with such beautiful possibilities for what that might look like that there might be a heaven or there might be reincarnation or there might be, um, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of a dantic in my belief, too, of this, you know, you, you just kind of go back into the allness and then, right. you know, something comes back out of the allness into, you know, other beings. And there's this constant kind of shift of of energy into different yeah. things. So so I I have decided I have lost many animals uh, that I've had relationships with and I you know, I, I'm okay with whatever, wherever they are, if they're in their bodies or if they're in energy or whatever. I just want to know that they're not suffering and that they're okay. And so I do feel like, um, I don't know. I'm not consistent, and I talk about this in the. Park. I'm not either.
2: I know. I'm not yeah, we're the same. way. I, I have. Yeah, I have I'm not cat, either. I a,
0: a, a, my childhood cat, I think, is with my dad. You know, in, in his, in his body form somewhere in this place called heaven that has a living room and my dad's hanging out there doing sermons. I have an orange, an orange cat that lived with us that I think is a squirrel. Now I have another cat I think is still on walkabout. He's been on walkabout for like 20
2: years. Yep. I don't know. I'm so, not. I think there's all different sorts of levels. You know. I, who knows what happens who after you die? But yeah, who knows? That's, but I, think, I think there, all things can be true. Yeah, that, you know, I'm inconsistent as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, and there could, and there could be multiplicities. Of, right. I, you know, I'm a science fiction head too, which is how I, you know, got to love Jim so much. You know, there yeah. could be multiple. You know realities of well look at cat.
2: stephen hawking's last paper that was published posthumously i mean oh, he man. finally went from saying there was no way there could be parallel realities to saying there's at least 12 other realities well, i mean there that's, you go. that's that's and something I Max, fascinating. That's right fascinating. There. I Max
0: the cat is in all 11 so yeah. you know, and there may <laughs> be I'm, people who feel I, firmly like i know the answer and i have the experience and they may be listening to this saying well i know and and if that is you i think that's fabulous Uh, because, you know, whatever, whatever uh, insight or knowledge you might have is wonderful. And I hope you're communicating it in the way that that you can, what your experience is. And, you know, and, and that may be one of the possibilities. But I think that the important thing behind the question of do animals have souls? Where do animals go? Will I see my pet? Is a reminder of, Damn, we love them a lot. Absolutely, yeah. and well, we I don't miss them, and so you know, honoring that above all else—that that there is this relationship—it was meaningful to us. I think is is the overarching all of the ideas of the stories.
1: Absolutely, and I fervently, I truly believe that uh, I'm going to see my dog again. I really do. They really do. And his
0: head's gonna be in a bag of popcorn. Probably, probably. <laughs> probably. I hope so, Jim. I hope that that is true, and I hope that 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 is something that that will will happen for you. I do, do you, very much so.
1: Do you think animals understand mortality? They understand when death is coming. Ooh, that's a that's great. That's a question. great.
0: So that's a really good question, and there is a lot of of interesting stuff in this in that area right now, and so we see let let me start with this we see different species doing grief rituals yes now everyone knows about the elephants who keep returning and returning and returning to the bones of their their predecessors we also see phenomenal stuff in birds where they oh, will yeah. even like collect little things and place them in the area really s- oh yeah we yeah. see um we see Oh, crows do a, that too i mean yeah. all sorts of birds do it. lots of lots of the corbids there there mm. there was a uh orca who swam with her um dead oh yeah for nine days there are there, it was anecdotal at first well here's the thing about uh, what we love to do in science is is we need the anecdotes first and then everyone says oh it's just anecdotes we have to study it every minute you know right. and, then, and then we get we then we set up studies and but what we are having more and more um knowledge that there that there is likely something that's grief. So if there's grief, there must be a knowledge of this being is gone now. Right. So the question that you're asking is one more step from that. Do I know that I'll be gone sometime too? And so there's a woman named um, Suzanne Monso, who wrote a paper on this that I really like. I talk about in the book said you know we have to we have to think that logically that would be the extension if if i'm experiencing grief and i know this this being's not there anymore i probably in those species and right. and, and, and hey we're talking about animals as if the you know the the trillions um and the you know all of the different species as if they're like one thing right right <laughs> we are doing that we are do- we're like putting them
1: all from, in a, ca- from particular a bee category from a yeah. to a
0: slug to right. you know to so to sure, an arca uh, yeah but but what you're asking is is an important question and what I think underlies it for many people too is if they know that they they could die what does that mean about our food systems and our clothing systems and the mm. way that we're keeping animals confined you know 98 percent of the meat that we have now is not humanely raised folks 98 that's eight, disturbing 98 percent. we have really di- i mean it varies by species a little bit but um 98 it's the worst is... for chickens but the um the things that we are doing in these windowless huge buildings are are not atrocious clean. They're not cool. So you know, do do a little research. Find out where your food's coming from. Ask some questions, and don't and don't rely on marketing. Because hey, I was in marketing for many many years. (laughs) So (laughs) don't rely on the marketing. So that that's another question under there. If if they know they're um, capable of dying, What, what does that mean about those systems?
1: I want to get. I'm going to leap a little bit into some other things. There's there's so okay. much to talk about, and we'll probably. I know might... the book. I have like 50
2: questions, but yeah, I guess we'll come
1: we'll come <laughs> back to some of this, you know, if we have time. But I I want to talk about the seven illusions that you discuss in the book, because um, I think they're, it's really important for us to talk about those. Can you run through the seven illusions?
0: I can, and they're really kind of the synopsis of what I talk about in the book they're They're really the the bullet points, if you will, of what I expand upon. and 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 we've covered a couple of them. So illusion number one is, I am not an animal. Well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what what does that mean? And can we stop um, saying things like someone is acting like an animal? To mean something that it that it doesn't mean, and and we're seeing that especially when we're talking about what's going on in some of the racial uh, issues, we're having systemic issues. So knowing that we're an animal, and that extends to stop saying people are pigheaded, stop saying beat a dead yeah. worse, stop saying you know th- these kind of things. If we can know that those are those are our kin in some way. The second one is only humans have spiritual lives, and we talked about that. We a little did, time. yes. The third one we didn't really go into which is that wildlife loss is natural and unavoidable it's not true so it comes it comes back to us understanding that we're complicit in some of the systems that are creating wildlife loss and, and what can we do about that and and i do i'm go- I'm not going to veer off to talk to you for 15 minutes about squirrels <laughs> <laughs> or, or how to do blessings for animals that you see on the side of the road that have died. But if that hits you in the heart, um, you know, that, that's something I talk about. And I, have I was some say articles. Read the book. It's yeah. And, and on spirituality and health, I have some articles too, about that. You know, how do we do roadside blessings? Um, so learn a little bit more about the problems for animals in your ecosystem. In your you live in a habitat, folks. I mean, you may live in a house and an apartment, but you also live in a habitat. Learn a little bit yep. about those. The fourth one, I can trust that my country has laws that protect the welfare of animals. So the no. Animal Welfare Act in the US only includes a couple of species, does not include any animals that are used in labs for food or for products. Hmm. And the laws on uh, for dogs and, and cats and companion animals are uh, vary by state. And so, you know, even the Endangered Species Act, all of these laws that we have. Read the fine print. That, that because, was
2: shocking for me to hear and find out, by the way.
0: And right. Because you hear like, Animal that, Welfare Act. Yeah, yeah,
2: I didn't know. I mean, that was it just still makes me like want to cry.
0: It's not. It's not. And And here's here's a thing to look into, people. So if you read Soul of an Octopus or you watched My Octopus Teacher, you know how darn smart they are. Yes. What has happened is the first commercial octopus octopus farm is about to be created where they're going to farm octopus in order to use them in horrible lab testing.
1: Oh, no. Because what?
0: what's happened is the more that we've pushed back about what's happening to mice and rats, and a lot of medical research happens on dogs. Can yeah. You believe that dogs?
2: Horrible.
0: Um More, the more and more that people have legislated and 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 tried to find ways of getting certain animals not tested on, the more the industries have decided. Well, if you're going to make a law that I can't do that to beagles, I'm going to go do it to octopus.
2: Mm. So. Oh my
0: God. That's so so those kind of things too. And this doesn't have to be depressing and awful and horrible if you do it with other people and just dip a toe in, just yeah. dip a toe mm-hmm. in, sign a few petitions, do a little something, something, right? Um, number five, the food I buy is created humanely and sustainably. <laughs> Probably isn't. Do nope. your reading. We already talked about that. Six, people who disagree with me are my enemies.
1: That's Not important true. in everything. everything. Important yeah, that's in every everything. discourse, especially like my, right now. My crusade
2: yeah. for five years now is t- trying to get people to understand that.
0: Yeah, so I I do that talking about going to the farm that my grandfather had when I was a kid, and um, and my experience of you know now being someone who doesn't support certain things that are done on farms and having a conversation with the people who live there a very open-hearted conversation about some of the things that are going on and trying to understand other people's viewpoints and trying to share mine in ways that are not blasting people on social media we just have to stop this add this just just okay don't let me go there all right number seven
2: number
0: seven oh there's actually eight number seven is we live on earth People are like, what? That's true. All right. We are Earth. Yeah. And let me, let me, let me expand on that a little bit. We are made from star stuff. We are influenced by tides. What we create or what we eat creates the weather. What we build alters the planet. So we are part of the planet. We aren't, we aren't people that we're stuck on top of it just to use it however we want. And then the last illusion is change is hard a lot Mm -hmm. of people say to me well i just i can't sarah i can't learn any of this stuff i can't do any of this it's too depressing it's too awful it's too hard to change it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. we
0: change small things as our awareness opens just like we do anything else so find other people listen to oh there's so many awesome podcasts now about animals and different things going on and books and movies talk to other people about hey just like we're doing right now did you know yeah you know, exactly did you, did you know about this and might we want to get involved in helping change things so
2: sorry.
0: oh well i really like see that tells me i'm being loquacious so I know been <laughs> not at all a long time and i've <laughs> so sorry. had the opportunity Holy instead of answering you know asking the questions whenever we do this show when whenever <laughs> i do this with jim i don't get to talk unabashedly so i do appreciate um everyone's patience in this Uh, oh no absolutely everything you're
2: saying i'm like i just want you to talk forever so no i don't i think that was just a case of someone not turning their phone off when they were supposed to (laughs) (laughs) so sorry jim
1: you you, uh you went to a place of consciousness with all this and what interested me was the the case you you gave a pro-sociality in in uncaged rats and chocolate. Which I thought was a really interesting yeah. idea. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Oh, yeah. There are so many fascinating studies when they, they look at what, yeah, okay, back again to, you know, animals are blah, 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 fill in the blank. Our animals, are, animals are ruthless. Animals don't care about others. Humans are superior because we have empathy. What we find is that animals, um, various species have have all sorts of same capacity for the things that we do and so they did this one study about um, with rats and again i'm going to i'm going to tell you how much i love the study and i'm also going to tell you that i don't like that they did the study cuz the rats were in the cage so i acknowledge right, that right. tension right. Of Those things being are true right really interested in the in the results of what happened and also not happy about why it was happening but so they have these rats and uh, and they take one 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 rat is uncaged and the other one is caged And what they're really doing is giving the uncaged rat this this kind of test to see, will he free the other one? And the way they try to make it really difficult is they put some chocolate out that the rat could also go for. So is the rat going to go for the chocolate or is the rat going to free the other rat? And what the rat does is frees the other rat, goes and gets the chocolate and shares it with him
1: fascinating uh,
0: fascinating. It, it, which is which is <sighs> there, was blows another, my mind. there was another one that i love that um melini suchek did with franz de wall where they and this is very popular on youtube you can you can see this one but they had some uh, capuchin monkeys and they had them you know next to each other in where they could see each other in a cage and they had to give the researcher a rock and in return they'd get a cucumber So, you know, give a rock, get a cucumber, give a rock, get a cucumber, left monkey or left capuchin, right capuchin, left capuchin, right capuchin. And they give left capuchin or right capuchin a grape. Then when they go to give left capuchin a cucumber, (laughs) she gets pissed off, (laughs) throws the cucumber at at the researcher and will not take cucumbers like that guy. That one's got a grape. I gave you the same <laughs> thing. I <laughs> yeah. gave you my rock. Wow. So not fair. So it's not fair. So there's this understanding. Well, that would be our, you know, human words and whether right. that's the word they're using. But but right. So that's that kind of anthropomorphism and, and right.
1: That yeah, I know. That? Not
0: okay. Blah, blah, blah. But sorry. But but well, I mean, that's what we do. That's how we we have to use our words for how they understand it. They may use right. the same words. I don't know. But they say like, I, I want the grape. Right yeah I can it's see that I can see that go on in my house where the cat's like, no, you you gave bub right. That box, but I want that box right. So that again brings us back, Jim, to you know, we are animals, yeah,
1: yeah. i yeah. I wondered if you could tell me what is an interspecies service like when sure. you have these services? What's that like?
0: So this was our attempt at having a gathering of people to get the same things that you get out of when you go to church or synagogue or the meditation center or wherever you go, Um, that we could get that, but we could get that in an interspecies way. So we gathered together, you know, we started in the pandemic. So we started on Zoom and that's been great because people around the world can come. And we start by listening to, instead of a hymn, we listen to a couple minutes of the more than human world. So- It might be sea lions. It might be bees. It might be, you know, whoever it is, a couple of minutes. That's beautiful. It is. And it's funny because people will be like, is that pigs? I'm like, no, that's sea lions. So there's also this kind of interesting of like, what are we listening to and and, and right. And what we think we're hearing, what we think we're hearing. And then I do, I do a little sermon ish on one of these topics we've just been talking about for you know eight to 10 minutes. Then we have a, a video song that features images from the more than human world. We do an interspecies practice. So we've done Qigong with goats. We've chanted Shalom with sheep. Wow. We have done walking meditation with geese. You know, through through video and then re-experiencing so cool. to teach people how to how to do this out in the world. We have a guest who comes from. Um, oh, we've had Christians and Jews and Wiccans and Course in Miracles and you know whatever someone different every every month who comes and talks about their experience. Mm. We highlight things that people in our community are doing in terms of advocacy. And then at the end we do blessings and prayers or a ritual. I did kintsugi uh last last month which is that Japanese practice of fixing a bowl with gold. Mm. Yeah, so I, I love that. Cracks. I did it with a dog bowl um for someone who had just lost a dog. So oh, we'll wow. that practice or I'll do things with fire or I'll do things with water or some way of giving people a place to come and say, "I just lost my dog. I'm upset about the geese that just got gassed in the park." You know, whatever, whatever it is, to be able to um, to speak to our interspecies losses. And then we have we have coffee hour uh, afterwards, it. so that you know we can meet each other, we can talk. If you're listening to this service and and you feel isolated on these topics, you feel like you can't talk about them at your house of worship or with your friends. This is a place, it's compassionconsortium.org. Uh you, you can come and be with us and talk about these these topics without someone saying, We're just talking about humans. So that that's really what we we've been going for about a year and a half now and it's been growing steadily and and we just love it
2: and that's yeah, and-
0: compassion com. Can- yes do. compassion consortium or consortium C compassion c-o-n-s-o-r-t-i-u-m dot org
1: and you've been and so- uh you've started a uh the the interspecies um seminary in a sense what is tell me about we that did. That, we- that that's been uh, quite yeah. a success for you
0: it, it is, it is, um, it, what's beautiful about it is it's showing how many people are interested in doing this work and how many people feel this work is necessary. Uh, I've been teaching at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary for a number of years. I love it. It's great. If you want to become clergy, it's a fabulous, wonderful, wonderful place with a two-year program. Uh, if you're, if you're interested. Repeat to- that name again
2: for people out there listening.
0: One Spirit Interfaith Seminary. It's the number one spirit.org. Uh, and if you we have a lot of folks who are new thought too so if you're listening from new thought it's interfaith and we have a wonderful two-year program for people who want to work with with humans but i had more and more and more and more students who wanted to work with animals and had you know questions about these things and so we launched at compassion consortium a um, a program for animal chaplaincy it has three month six month and nine month duration so it depends on you know, if if you want to be an animal chaplain, it's a nine month commitment. If you just want to get the info so you can use it in your Reiki practice or use it at your church or use it like that, you know, there's a three and a six month. There's a six month certificate. But we have in this first class, we have fifty two folks. That's wow. fantastic, fantastic. And they are and they are impressive in their own right. They are oh, they I'm are sure retired clergy, they're academics, they're seminary students, they're. Uh, people who have worked at animal sanctuaries or run them. It's people who want to know where do science and spirituality meet when it comes to animals and and humans. And so I have great hopes for the work that we're going that we're going to be doing in the world, and the more people that can be served in these questions, and the more that we can normalize the idea that that clergy. Uh, can also be in in this in this area,
2: and if people want to join, is it like a rolling program or is it like set you know date it's, to date each year? It is
0: annually, annually starting in the fall. But I also do a lot of workshops and uh, and other you know shorter events and and webinars too. So if people if people want to apply for for the next you know go around but want to get some information and get started there's there's that as well and the book you know has some helpful information too
1: and i want to you know i want to wind things up with uh the prayer you wrote if that's okay on page 195 i i see i thoroughly digest these things 195 which i i think is an absolutely wonderful prayer would you mind reading that for us
0: I don't mind at all. And I just want, I want to um, toot your horn for a minute while Royce and I are both here, because I know we have both, we have both done a lot of talking about our books in lots of different places. And the thing that stood out to me about Jim and the reason I am still here doing a podcast. Yes, I know I, what you're going to say. I met you because I was a guest. I was a guest right, with my prior book, Spiritual Rebel. And Jim emailed me and said, come on my show and, and talk to me about it. And when I showed up, first of all, he was wearing a Star Wars shirt, so I knew he had read <laughs> my
1: book. <laughs>
0: and then his questions were so detailed. When when Jim does these interviews, I mean, oh, he yeah. had 110 questions for every interview. He
2: actually reads the book. He reads which I don't... the
0: book, and so many people don't. And I understand why now that we podcast that it's yeah. it's 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 a big commitment to read a book every week and to do the things in your life. But but Jim, I just want to. Since I'm on the other side of this today and I can, I want to say how rare and how beautiful and how wonderful it is that every single guest we have on here um, that, that you read the book and you take so much,
1: um, so much
0: care. Yeah. Well, i you. have
2: to agree i think it's so nice as an author to feel heard because like sarah said i mean it, it you know i mean i get why hosts can't read the book but i also you know the best conversations have always been with you jim because uh, you you care sweet. you read thank it you. i think you help more people listening and you know as a fan of the show and a and as sometimes guest co-host uh and and as a sometimes uh, guest yeah i i agree with everything sarah said and i just think it gives the listener so much value. So you're
1: there's the gym so love street.
2: Now you gotta thank leave you. that in. You have to leave this in. And don't
0: cut that Do not out. Well, thank this you. out. No. <laughs> we'll we will we'll we'll boycott. We will. We'll... <laughs> we will. We'll make signs and we'll show you outside your house. We'll make a to really, really all right. Well this has been an, an absolute treat to be with both of you today and to be talking about this and those of you who are listening and who've made it through the whole thing. Um, So this is a prayer that's at the end of the book. I like to do kind of wide prayers so they don't require you to be of any uh, specific tradition or to even pray at all. It's just to let the words sink in and to see how they feel. So I'm going to ask you just to take a deep breath. I could use a deep breath. Boy, I have been running my mouth. Think about how these words feel. May my presence be a blessing to all creatures. Blessed furriness walking on four legs, may you be sustained and flourish. Blessed feathered of the skies, may you be sustained and flourish. Blessed finned beings of the many, many waters, may you be sustained and flourish. And blessed leafy ones rooted deep down into the earth. May you be sustained and flourish. Glory be to the forests and to the deserts and to the holy seas, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. May I live. connection to the everlasting cycle of life and when this body can no longer sustain me may i be blessed with a sacred send-off
1: oh i love that and so it is period
0: but not today i always say that and so (laughs) it is but not today
1: (laughs) well sarah it's always great having you as a part of the show and thank you so much for taking the hot seat this episode you're wonderful yeah you are
0: oh my, my pleasure and if folks would like to learn more about any of these things that the website is sacredsendoffs.com, and that'll link you to all the other stuff i talked about
1: too. and that's send offs with an s right with
0: an s that's right
1: and sacred sendoffs is an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss making life meaningful and healing the planet that's sarah's books sacred send-offs royce it's been a pleasure to have you on thank you for joining us again and and check out royce's book scripting the life you want is there a website we can go to uh you can just
2: go to roycechristian.com or scripting the life you i think redirects but if not just my name <laughs> and it's not christian.
0: spelled christian like the religion
2: correct so you need to it's spell it Yes, you could thank my grandfather for this. Uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-N. So it's like Christ Y and Royce, like Rolls Royce. There we go.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And you can find out more about me on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen and Royce Christian, and we'll talk to you next time on Big Universe.
0: We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time.